Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for waking us up this morning and breathing your Holy Spirit into us again. Help us see what an awesome promise and power you have bestowed upon us. As we are grateful for the honor to belong to Christ, help us to raise our heart and spirit with the resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit now. In the most amazing name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Yesterday, we saw the serious sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in us. That is a modification, modification of our flesh in the power of grace. Today, in the middle of Romans chapter 8, Paul extensively talks about one of his major theological convictions and themes that is our adoption as a children of God. If you, under, if you want to understand who Christian is and why being a Christian is a greatest privilege, we need to learn and appreciate the divine adoption. J.I. Packer, the author of a classic Christian book, Knowing God, once said about adoption in this way. He said, adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. Adoption is the highest privilege of the gospel. The traitor is forgiven, brought in for supper, supper, given the family name. To be right with God the judge is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God, the Father is a greater. Another Reformed theologian named Sinclair Ferguson also said, The notion that we are children of God is the mainspring. Mainspring, I love the word, the mainspring of a Christian living. Our sonship and daughtership to God is the apex of a creation and the goal of a redemption. So we will reflect on this important topic of a divine adoption today and tomorrow. And now let's read our text today, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 to 17. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His suffering, in order that we we may also share in His glory. Before looking into our passage today, let me briefly share the background information of adoption in Paul's time. Adoption was a much more customary legal procedure in Roman society than it was a Hebrew or Near Eastern culture. Paul, as a Roman citizen, was very familiar with adoption. So first, adoption usually occurred when a wealthy adult had no heir for his estate. He would then adopt someone as an heir. It would be a child or youth or even adult. By the way, it was a sheer grace of God to adopt us because God already had a son, not just a son, the perfect son, 
God has no need to adopt anybody, but He wanted us so much to adopt us. Thus, our adoption is nothing but sheer grace of God. And also, God adopted both men and women to be His children, not just men. The term adoption in Greek is a uiothesia. Uiothesia is a compound word. It's a uio and thesia. Uio is a son. Thesia came from the a verb tithemi, which means a making or becoming or even converting. So uiothesia literally means making or becoming a son. Adoption in the Greco-Roman context was a very male chauvinistic. But God's adoption is a gender neutral and gender inclusive. Anyone can be a God's child, God's adopted child. And that's why Paul used the inclusive word children here, you know, techna in Greek, techna for three times in this passage. Just like we learned last Sunday from Dr. Charles Dr. Sermon, Kilam Charles Sermon, God gave his divine image not only for the kings, like all of the ancient Near Eastern religions, but also for all men and women. Truly, God's grace has no bound, and Christ confirmed that in our adoption. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Amen! Now the moment adoption took place back then, several things immediately happened to the new son. First, his old debts and the legal obligations were paid and fully met. Second, he got a new name and instantly inherited all his adoptive father's head. Third, his new father became liable for all his actions from then on. Fourth, the new son also had a new obligations or duties to honor and please his adopted father. In another word, they have they had a shared interest and common destiny. That's the background behind the today's passage. Here, I want to highlight three privileges of our divine adoption today in this text. First one is identity. Second one is intimacy. Third one is inheritance. So identity, intimacy, and inheritance. First, identity. Look at the verse 15. The spirit you receive does not make you slave so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. As a God's adopted children, Apostle Paul said, We are not to fear but enjoy our relationship with God. Our identity as God's children gives us security. You know, slaves or employees basically obey out of fear of a punishment or loss of a job. But a child-parent relationship is not characterized by fear of losing the relationship. And also, child has a status. In a household, slave has an authority they can only do what they are told, but children of God are given authority over sin and the devil. According to book of Hebrews, angels are our servant, and they protect us as a secret service does for the, does for the uh, president's family. 
Our new identity gives us the security, authority, and confidence of our life. We move in the world and, uh, and life knowing that everything belongs to our Father. We have a confidence and poise about ourselves and life. You know, I don't want to uh, sound too megalomaniac, but when someone intentionally hurts me, you know, actually, I pray for that person. I had, you know, because, oh boy, you're in trouble. You didn't know that you offended a child of Almighty God. May God have a mercy on you. So brothers and sisters, let us live today and each day with the confidence and security in God's love. Now let's look at the second uh, privilege, which is intimacy. Also, second half of verse 15, Paul said, And by Holy Spirit, by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Abba is an Aramaic word or term which means a daddy. Children rarely call their fathers as a father, but always intimately and informally as a dad or daddy or papa. That's how Christians can approach the almighty, all-powerful creator universe who sustains every you know, atom of everything in existence moment by moment. On that, let me, uh, let me quote the uh, famous sermon uh, of uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones on this passage. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, Abba was a word lisped by a little child. Let us notice the word cry. We cry, Abba, Father. It is a very strong word, and clearly Apostle has used it quite deliberately. It means a loud cry. It expresses deep emotion. What then does it imply? Obviously, real knowledge of God. God is no longer to us a distant God. He's not merely God in whom we believe intellectually, theologically, theoretically, even doctrinally only. All this is possible to one who is not a child of God at all. Our worship and praying are spontaneous. It is spontaneity of a child who sees the Father and not only spent a spontaneity, but confidence. I totally concur that uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones in a point on spontaneity and confidence. Paul said in verse 16, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit affirms and assures of our confidence in God. You know, I never forget the moment that when I uh, heard the word Abba first time in my life. Uh, when I was doing a summer study in Israel a few decades ago, I was visiting Nazareth. Nazareth the hometown of our Lord Jesus one day, and it was about mid-afternoon. There were a bunch of uh, little kids playing a soccer in the street, and uh, it reminded me of uh, my childhood. So I was kind of poignantly looking at them until a child all of a sudden screamed, 
Abba, Abba. And then cross the street, a middle-aged man waving, you know, among the some adults, waving his arms with a smile and then slowly pass by. That's the word Abba Father is. Spontaneity, confidence. When you cry, your father will hear you and pay attention to you. If a human Abba is happy to hear his child shout, how much more the ultimate Abba is happy when we cry out to him. Once again, no name captures my attention like a dad. You know, people call me usually Pastor Paul. Yeah, it gave me my attention. But the word dad get my entire attention. Sorry, honey. It's not a honey will get my attention. Sorry. I wish I can say honey also get my attention. Yeah, it gets some attention, but not like a dad. Dad, when, when my, children, my children, my daughters call me dad, yes, they got my attention. Likewise, when we call God Abba Father, God's full attention is upon us. He wakes up even angels. You know, what does this mean? I hear several people in forest struggle and uh, pain, painful with a dysfunctional family, especially dysfunctional parents and fathers. And it is my prayer that the Holy Spirit reminds them about their ultimate father, and the Holy Spirit reveals the most satisfying and the sweetest intimacy of God the Father to each one of our brothers and sisters. Let me quickly move to the last point, the inheritance. Verse 17, if we are children, then we are also heirs. Heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. And if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. I'll be brief on this last point since we will talk about, uh, about it much more tomorrow. The, the things that impressed me most about the Paul's uh, uh, talking, pointing out the, our inheritance as God's adopted children is that Paul didn't just say that we are the heirs of God as his adopted children, but we are co-heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. By the way, do you, you know, I, do you know where Paul got this idea about God as our Father? He probably heard that's the word that Jesus cried out to God in Garden of Gethsemane. Paul knew that's what Jesus addressed Father and God Almighty. And this is where Paul, the, 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 the adoption or Abba Father is so dear to Apostle Paul, his heart. Paul said, we are not just heirs of God, we are co-heirs with Christ. Whatever we have is actually brought by the redemptive suffering and work of Jesus Christ, who called God Abba Father first and taught us to call God Abba Father. At the end of history, we will sit with Christ and the reign the world. That's our ultimate glory and eschatological you know, euphoria. But here Paul was talking about, calls us to embrace, not just you know, coming glory, but also current suffering, especially suffering to obey God as a Christ 
obey God and suffer. Apostle Paul wants us to inherit not just honor, but even horror for suffering for God's glory. Because he's so grateful. He's so grateful for the, the inheritance and adoption, all the blessings of God's being of God's children, that he wants to share Christ's suffering more than his glory. How about us? How much are we grateful to God? What blessing do we want to share as a Christ of co-heirs today? Let's pray. Abba, Father, we are all by your grace to adopt us, sinners, as your sons and daughters. Your forgiveness of our sins would be more than sufficient for us. Yet you invited us and included us into your family. You not just forgave us, but much more honored us. Truly, your love for us is so deep and vast beyond all measure. To adopt and accept us, you gave your only Son. To make a wretch like us your treasure, you allowed your only Son to take our sins upon his shoulders and bore our brokenness in his body on the cross. Truly, your grace has no matching and your love is matchless. Help us live each day and each moment of today for your marvelous grace. Thank you for making us your sons and daughters. We want to live today worthy of your name and your honor. In the most worthy and marvelous name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.